Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. very special nitty gritty committee this week. I'm Michelle Laurie, by the way. Hello and welcome and thank you for downloading. This is, of course, uh, the stories of the guts and the glory of life. Here we have an update of a story that we featured before. Ken Kratz is the, well, the villain of the piece, making a murder a documentary series on Netflix. You can also get it on uh, YouTube. He's the prosecutor who put Stephen Avery in prison for the murder of Teresa Hall back in 2005. That's controversial, but even more controversial than that is the fact that Stephen Avery's nephew, Brendan Dassey, went to prison for the same crime. Now, Brendan has a very low IQ. Um, his legal assistance wasn't great. So for a lot of reasons, it's sort of the more disturbing of the two very disturbing convictions. Last Friday, a federal judge in Wisconsin overturned the murder and sexual assault convictions of Brendan Dassey. It's an incredible breakthrough for his supporters and obviously for him. So I thought I should catch up again with my old friend, Ken Kratz, the aforementioned villain of the piece, the prosecutor himself, to see what he makes of this new development. Here it is. And after this, I'll play you a bit of the original chat I had with Ken about six months ago about the case in general, including, most importantly, all the information and evidence that was left out of the documentary series, It Might Change Your Mind. Ken Kratz, my old friend, we meet again. <laughs> How you doing? Hello, Mr. <laughs> Kratz. This time Matt's here. Remember he fell off his bike last time? I'm sorry? Last time you and I spoke, Matt, my friend here, had uh, been knocked off his bicycle, but he's here today. I do, re- I do remember that. Mm-hmm. That was uh, that was, a, that was a, a tragic turn, as I recall. Yes, so Ken. I hope, it, hope it's going okay now. Yeah. I'm looking for a good prosecutor to take down the driver. <laughs> Now, Ken, we've sort of re-surmised what's gone on and what's taken place over the weekend for our audience. But uh, in terms of how you might have a spin on this, and maybe spin's not the right word, our understanding is that basically the confession of Brendan Dassey was considered illegally obtained or wrongfully obtained, so he is now out of jail and his conviction's been overturned. Well, that's not true at all. What uh, Perfect. What's happened is the... Uh, a, a federal judge, which in the U.S. we have, we have states, of course, and the state system is is uh, is the system that prosecuted and convicted Brendan Dassey. But uh, when you do an appeal and you exhaust all of the appeals that are available in the state system, you can then move on to the federal system, kind of the the Big Brother uh, system, and and in it is in that system that. Uh, they believe that the state 
appeals courts were wrong and that the uh, statement of Brendan was, in fact, involuntary. Now, he was not released. They have given the uh, state of Wisconsin 90 days in which to decide what they're going to do. The state has four options now. Number one, if they do nothing, uh, that is, if they just allow Brendan to be released in 90 days, uh, the conviction would be overturned and he would walk out of the prison. Uh, Number two, uh, if they appeal the decision, then we'll have a different level, the next highest level of the appeals courts deciding about the confession kind of on legal grounds. Uh, Number three, they could simply retry Brendan. Oh uh, that is that they could uh, uh, just go back to the uh, the courts with the jury and and try him again, not using uh, the confession that they believe uh, was tainted. Uh, but number four, uh, they have uh, that is the state has an option to try to cut a deal or try to work out some kind of a plea bargain uh, with uh, with Brendan uh, and his lawyers. Uh, one that would uh, uh, undoubtedly lead to Brendan's uh, release, uh, but would not jeopardize the conviction that uh, that he had. So there's still a lot of this story yet to come. It's not over by uh, a long shot. There is uh, a lot to do. Uh, I'm not involved in in the uh, the process anymore, as you know. I'm I'm uh, you know simply writing a book and and uh, kind of watching like everybody else uh, to see what goes on. But I'm in probably a very good position to uh, to guess or to know what uh, what's going to be coming next. So, given that this um, uh, confession was also integral in the conviction of Stephen Avery, what does this mean for his situation? Well, that's an important, uh, you know, Michelle, that's an important um, uh, distinction here that uh, making a murderer never really explained very well. As the lead prosecutor in both cases, I chose never to use Brendan's statement, his confession in Stephen's case. And so I convicted Stephen Avery based only on the DNA evidence, the the physical, the scientific evidence. And I never I never clouded it at all and went down that road to even uh, Brendan's uh, confession. in. so this decision should have absolutely no bearing on Stephen Avery's case at all. Right. Uh, So that's you've made that pretty clear there, Ken. The interesting thing is, though, is that the world is still a little obsessed by it. Can you tell us, are all Stephen Avery's avenues exhausted? Will he never come out of jail? Or there are, like you see with people on death row, organisations still lobbying to have him out of jail? Well, Stephen Avery has a new lawyer. Her name is Kathleen Zellner, and she specialises in uh, trying to uh, take individuals who have exhausted all of their other appeal rights and 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 bring up new evidence if they can find new evidence if they can come up with something scientific or something new that wasn't considered before then then they're going to get a a, a chance perhaps uh, uh, at uh, another day in court and that's what Kathleen Zellner uh, has indicated that she uh, at the end of this month at the end of August uh, will be announcing to 
presumably the courts and to the world uh, what new evidence she's uh, developed or come up with that uh, she says anyway uh, will be uh, leading to a review of, of Stephen Avery's case. We'll have to wait and see. It's very, very difficult after, as you can imagine, after all the appeals are exhausted uh, to reopen a case or to get back in into the courts, uh, you know, when it's all done. And- but uh, but again, that uh, that should be coming at the uh, at the end of, oh. of of August, so we'll have to wait and see so, on that. Ken, I also imagine so many years down the track, physical evidence has deteriorated, circumstances have changed. I know they're probably hoping for another pinprick in the blood vial moment, but surely most of the circumstantial evidence and the physical evidence is, is withered by now. Well, that's not true at all. Of course, everything is preserved um, very well. Everything was uh, was tested. It's the test results uh, themselves that um, that are uh, at issue here, and those, of course, uh, you know, scientifically uh, were preserved. There hasn't been really any significant developments in the DNA laws and and the DNA uh, science in the last ten years, at least significant enough that would call into question the um, the testing that was done. In fact, uh, we've been waiting for ten or eleven years to see if there were any new tests or if the results of the old tests were uh, were were uh, challenged at all, and that hasn't happened. And so I, I think, like everybody else, is uh, is really interested to uh, to wait and see what new evidence that they're going to show. But let's, let's be honest, Ken, you don't think she'll find anything. That's the vehemence of your answer is telling me that. Uh, it is. I, I have... Uh, I've been saying all along that uh, Kathleen Zellner, as good as she is, and she, uh, she and, and her supporters uh, take great pride in saying they're 17 and zero in uh, in their post conviction or exoneration cases. I've uh, from the very first day told them they better be prepared to be 17 and one. <laughs> Oh, that's... <laughs> <laughs> I love the lawyer rivalry. Hey, last time we spoke, Ken, you told me that, you know, obviously it had been a difficult road for you after the uh, documentary came out. Even your daughter had received death threats, you were telling me. Um, how are things travelling now? Well, my, yeah, it was uh, it was actually my, my son. I don't have a daughter. What they had claimed, I think you might remember, was that they wanted to uh, to rape and kill my daughter while I watched. And there were That's some really nice. tragic, uh, horrific uh, statements uh, that were made. I had gotten about 4,000 threats and, and uh, messages uh, indicating uh, just uh, really, really uh, unkind uh, things. But... Uh, since that, I have, uh, as you know, been writing a book. My book is uh, scheduled to be released. In fact, it's all ready on pre-order on uh, on Amazon. If anybody wants to, we go. Uh, to, to to check that out, we're uh, uh, July. Excuse me, uh, January twenty uh, fourth. Even though that's a, a, a bit uh, down the road yet, uh, will be the release of uh, my oh. book, which is entitled Avery. Uh, and uh, there's a whole bunch of subtitles, which uh, you can find it just under 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 Avery. But I've spent uh, really the last four or five months uh, writing that, uh, giving the other side of the story, everything okay. that making a murderer didn't show you, and and uh, the most compelling evidence uh, as to uh, as to Stephen Avery's guilt. Now, the Brendan Dassey story, of course, is going to uh, be a a separate story, although it's uh, related uh, a little bit. Uh, but uh, as the uh, the final edit uh, for the book uh, was just about to come, uh, this uh, this 
story for Brendan came at just the right time so uh, that I can make a few tweaks yet to the right. book oh, and good. it'll Tim. all be included in in, uh, in the book. So oh. uh, we'll, uh, we'll look forward to that coming up. We wait with bated breath to see what's released first, your book or Brendan Dassey. Yes. <laughs> Thanks so much for chatting again, Ken. Hey, anytime, you guys. I always love talking to you. You guys have a great day. Thanks, Ken. Bye. Okay, bye now. That was Ken Kratz, and the man you can hear chatting away in there is Matt Tilly, with whom I work in the mornings. We got a chance to talk to Ken this morning about the latest development in Brendan Dassey's case. About six months ago, though, I got a chance to talk about the entire case and the documentary series with Ken Kratz. I thought you might like to hear that one as well. As I said earlier, a lot of information here that was not included in the documentary series. And I have to say, and I took so much heat online for this last time, It's changed my mind. I think this guy is guilty, guys. All right, let's see what you make of it by the end. It's Ken Kratz. As I was watching Making a Murderer, I had a moment, I think I even tweeted it, that that's something about your voice, and then someone tweeted back to me, it's the voice that haunts my nightmares. Because <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> we don't want nightmares. We don't want the voice haunting. Well, because certainly from the perspective of the film and the uh, of the documentary series and and the the ladies who made it, um, you're you're the villain of the piece. You're the person who is deliberately subverting justice to put an innocent man right. in prison. Right, and the and the you know the the documentary's done done very well. It casts me and a couple other uh, police officers as. Uh, as as the villain, but I hope uh, when people understand that only one side of the story uh, was told, and when we're able to get out the other uh, the other side, they'll realize exactly what the jury realized, and that this was not uh, a product of uh, planting evidence or some kind of a conspiracy, but uh, the right person was convicted for the murder. What is that information that you want to get out there? Because um, I've certainly heard the, the the filmmakers interviewed and they stand by the documentary series. They say that they presented the evidence as as they saw it. And these are two cool women from New York who've gone and lived in the community uh, for a year or two to try and really immerse themselves in the story. So they're standing by their version of events. What do you think they missed? Well, what happened, uh, Michelle, is they um, they were embedded with the defense team. They were allowed unparalleled access to uh, defense strategy sessions and everything with uh, with the defense. And so, understanding that they uh, are uh, with the defense, this this documentary is really made by and for the defense team. And when you uh, realize that uh, editing um, has occurred and they've, uh, uh, what I've said is uh, spoon-fed the audience uh, uh, selective uh, pieces of evidence and not really represented what the uh, the state did to dispel the, uh, the planting defense, then it really isn't uh, fair to call it a documentary. Some of the examples that uh, are, are clearest of this are uh, the victim's uh, phone and a camera were found about 20 feet from Stephen Avery's um, home. He burned them in a, a burn barrel that was on his his property. Making a murderer never tells you that. They never tell you that uh, the contents of her purse are, are, are all found there. And they don't tell you that because it's not consistent with the planting defense. You can't plant 
burned up electronics, at least the way that uh, that they were found. It had to be burned right where they were found in that burn barrel. Well, at and the same so time, though, than, somebody somebody burned those materials. Um, absolutely, right. What and evidence is there to suggest that it was him? For four hours. And, and so somebody burned them for four hours, 20 feet from his door. Now, he was seen by two different witnesses uh, burning... Uh, in that burn barrel the the afternoon that Teresa was killed. And so uh, it isn't that uh, that, that alone uh, means, uh, you know, guilt or, or, or not guilt, but what we're talking about is the decision by the filmmakers to intentionally leave that information out. It's relevant, it's important information, as is DNA that's found on uh, the victim's uh, hood latch underneath uh, her car. Uh, they completely leave out uh, that information. They don't tell you that uh, phone calls were made uh, luring the uh, the victim to um, to that particular uh, location, or that ballistics testing shows that the bullet that was found in the garage matched the rifle fired by Stephen Avery, and it was fired from that gun before the fifth of uh of november of 2005 when the officers had uh, seized that weapon so uh, all of those things michelle are are just inconsistent with their narrative and so they don't include them they don't they don't put that stuff in you know this documentary would have been just as entertaining at least in my opinion if they would have put both sides of it in but it doesn't fit uh, their conclusion that they want everybody to draw when they watch this and that is that this man was uh, framed or that a, a miscarriage of justice has occurred and so i've been doing my best since december 18th when this came out to remind people that you've only heard uh, one side of it uh, there's this whole other side that uh, i've been trying to get some of the story out but there's so much more to this story, and, and that probably leads us into my decision uh, to write a book, and, and we'll talk about that when, when you're ready for that. I'm really glad that you're writing a book because this story is so strange that as a viewer, I'm just trying to apply some common sense to it, and I suppose that most viewers are. We're trying to figure out what's most likely to have happened because it is such a strange story for a man to be proven to have been imprisoned uh, when he, he was innocent for 18 years and DNA evidence proved that he was not the rapist that he was accused of being. And then he wins a judgment against the county as a result of that and, and the police who put him away the first time are, are called as witnesses and are accused of lying and certainly the judgment in his favour would suggest that the court accepted that they had lied in his first case these are the sure. same these yeah. are the same individuals who two years after he is freed are trying to imprison him again for this murder so when you just look at that list of, of things you go okay well common sense dictates that they are that this is revenge and that they're trying to put him sure. away again and yet and if and and if and if all that happened Michelle I suppose that's true but there was no judgment uh, there was a lawsuit that they filed they, they claimed Stephen Avery claimed that, that these officers had um had been um, uh, you know, uh, intentionally imprisoning him. Uh, but at the time of the murder, uh, that case was still uh, pending. It was still open. So there wasn't any revenge motive. There was no judgment that had been issued at that point. And so the, certainly some the reputations case, had been had been 
seriously sullied by that stage. I, I agree. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I agree with that. However, um, the fact that their employer, that is the, uh, if you're talking about the police, that mm-hmm. the, the county of Manitowoc is being sued, neither of these officers that they've identified as having planted evidence were themselves being sued. They weren't going to lose a penny out of, out of, uh, out of the, the process. And so uh, the fact that, that their boss or their, or their employer is being sued, uh, you've got to be able to um, uh, believe and reconcile that that would cause these police to find a, a, a 25-year-old photographer uh, and kill her and, and, yeah. and, uh, and, and chop her up and burn her uh, and all of those things uh, just to make this guy uh, you know, look, look bad. That's, a, that's, well, that's a, the other a argument, reach. isn't it? That is, that's the other, then the other side when we try to apply common sense to the other side right. is the fact that a woman went to that property to perform her job, which was to photograph a car that was going to be listed for sale and was never seen alive again. And in fact, her remains were found in a burn pit on that property. So again, the common sense from that perspective says, well, then he must have killed her. What else could possibly well, not just, happen? Yeah, not just on that, not just on that property, but 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 right behind his yeah. his, uh, his 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 garage, his his backyard, and so um, all of the evidence, at least that uh, which was uh, which was presented uh, in the in the Avery case, pointed to uh, to Stephen Avery having having been involved. My quarrel with the uh, with the filmmakers uh, was um, that it's irresponsible to. Uh, to leave things out or to edit clips so that they take valuable uh, parts of uh, of the of the clip out or not to uh, present the uh, the state side you know i gave a closing argument in the case and and these two filmmakers sat through it uh, the centerpiece or one of the centerpieces of my closing argument was the uh, the dna on the hood latch and so they didn't have to guess what it was that i was going to say or complain that i wouldn't give them an interview afterwards and not present it they knew what evidence uh, was available that not only I uh, had available, but I told the jury about. It. I told them, "Here's why this uh, planting defense is nonsense," and to suggest that you know this is the same evidence that the jury heard. Uh, and when the filmmakers uh, make that uh, suggestion to uh, to the audience, when that's not uh, not nearly uh, the case, uh, really is unfair. So to get the opportunity now in writing this book to set the matter straight, to tell uh, um, the public uh, the entire case of Stephen Avery, not just that which was omitted from the documentary or not just that which the judge didn't allow in evidence, but there's this whole uh, pile of information about Stephen Avery that's never before been talked about, never before been released, that when it is released, Michelle, you do read all the information and then you, you realize that we had so much more that wasn't even presented. I hope you, just as the jury did, will be convinced that this man's right where he belongs. Well, certainly the DNA evidence is important because, I mean, to my memory, the filmmakers chose not to include the DNA under the hood latch at all, did they? 
No, they never no. they never so, mentioned it and because it right because it was such an important part of of my argument. It's really difficult to believe them now when they say, "Well, we we thought we put in the most important things, or or we cut uh, some evidence uh, out just for purposes of uh, of time and and things." This is a ten hour documentary. They had plenty of time to put uh, everything that we believed was uh, was important. And that bit's crucial, and, isn't it? Because as a viewer, it, it was the DNA evidence uh, inside the car and and the idea that that had been planted and they showed us their theory as to how that had been extracted by a police officer and how, and that was a very convincing argument. So for them then right. to not go on to include, well, hang on, there was also DNA under the hood latch that can't right. have been planted there for these reasons. Uh, that was a crucial piece to leave out. It was, and, and here's what happens, uh, Michelle, and, and I don't know that people... Uh, that people really understand that when a, a narrative is being uh, told, when a story is, is, is being told in a certain way, um, eventually uh, you're going to adopt or believe anyway uh, that you couldn't tell the story by leaving out the entire other side, that yeah. nobody would be that irresponsible to do that. It would be so easy to refute and 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 show the other side, but that's exactly what happened, Michelle. I'm not uh, yeah. I'm not overstating this at all. And and again, when when uh, when the book is uh, is finished, which should be sometime uh, around uh, June of uh, of this year when it's released, um, then everybody will not only be able to look at the evidence that uh, was omitted, but all of these other things. You know, we've got this uh, uh, we've got uh, audio tapes and videotapes that are going to go along with the book that people are going to be able to uh, access on wow. on the internet and dig into uh, into this thing those internet sleuths you know that yes. love to do that kind of stuff which is really fascinating and it's a compelling story but we're going to give them that opportunity it's, with all of the information to be able to satisfy that craving it's certainly a matter of public record now that that piece of crucial information was omitted from the documentary series so that's then opened the gates to this idea that there is lots of stuff that we weren't aware of when we all made up our minds, uh, we amateur sleuths. But I'm interested in what you're saying about um, things about Steve Avery coming out that hadn't come out before. That's particularly pertinent in our community here in Australia because we've had a number of high-profile, awful crimes committed in Australia in the past couple of years in particular, and then we find out that they were committed by men who we believe should have been in jail. Why are violent rapists and, um, you know, out walking the streets to escalate their activities and and to to murder women. Um, there's an idea in Australia that for the community to know about these things is subverting justice and and you know um, right. is an assault on people's privacy and all that kind of stuff. So you're saying now well, that you you have information that do you think the community should have known about Stephen Avery? No, 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 not at all. I have information that I chose not to introduce into evidence right. and so okay. uh, it is it is that information which was just it was just too prejudicial to put uh, to put in but I'll tell you what uh, Michelle uh, when the defense when the filmmakers and when now the general public is claiming that uh, our cops are are crooked or that they're planting evidence or that the prosecutor uh, for goodness sakes uh, as if I had something to do with <laughs> with the case was uh, responsible for the it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, 
and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This man getting a miscarriage of justice at that point, uh, there's an old saying that the gloves come off, and yep. you you have to present uh, that evidence which uh, which hasn't been revealed before, which I intend to do, and I I suspect a lot of people are going to be very surprised by uh, just what kind of evidence uh, is available that shows that this man is uh, very very dangerous indeed. Well, interestingly, Kathleen Zellner, who is Stephen Avery's current lawyer, has come out recently to say that not only does she believe that she can prove. Uh, that there's reasonable doubt about his guilt, but she believes she can prove his innocence. What do you make That's of fantastic. that? I, I would love, uh, I would love to see that. You know, Kathleen Zellner is no, uh, she's very good at uh, at what she does, and and whether it's fortunately or unfortunately, she's um, she doesn't shy away from uh, from media attention and and putting things on on Twitter and and the like. And Which I, neither do you, I, in I, fairness. I, I disagree. Ken? Oh, right. It, it, <laughs> It's, uh, I, look, I, 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 so I said it may be good or it may be bad, Michelle. We'll have to reserve, sure. reserve ruling on that. I guess uh, who needs to be on the other side of that when you, when, when you decide. But the, but, but she's very, very good at, at what she does. She's a very good lawyer. She's gotten many people um, uh, exonerated that have been uh, have been wrongly convicted. I'll tell you what, though, Michelle, if she has uh, something new, if she has the kind of evidence that it's going to be needed uh, to not only win this man a new trial, but to have him exonerated uh, for this case, it's going to have to be a bombshell. It's going to have to be dramatic uh, indeed. I haven't heard uh, of any such uh, of evidence, and I guess I suppose like the rest of the world, uh, together uh, together with my book perhaps, we'll, uh, we'll wait for her what she's, uh, she's going to reveal. I'm Mia Friedman, and I'm the mother of four children. Back in 1999, a week after I got married, I found out in a routine ultrasound that the baby I was carrying had died. I was about halfway through my pregnancy, and I could feel my whole life tilt off its axis as I lay there in that room with the image of my daughter up on the ultrasound screen. It took me years to be able to write about the experience of losing a baby or even talk about it really because it was so hard to process. So I buried it deep, just like so many of the millions of women who experience stillbirth, miscarriage and the loss of a baby do. There are so many things only other women who've been through it can understand. As part of Pregnancy Loss Awareness Week, we're re-releasing Never Forgotten, which is an edited collection of stories by women, proudly supported and collected and published by Mamma Mia. And we're also establishing a closed Facebook community group that will offer much-needed support. 
You can find all the details on how to join the Facebook group and where to download the ebook at mamamia.com.au forward slash never forgotten. In the process of writing the book, I mean, how 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 is it? How has it felt to go and track back through this trial? Is there part of you that wants to put it behind you, or are you are you quite happy to go through it again? <coughs> Excuse me. No. Um, in fact, I have uh, made every attempt not to write a book. That might sound a little a little funny, but for ten years now. I chose not to write a book, and it was only when uh, the Netflix uh, docudrama came out and somebody had to step forward, somebody had to step up and say, you're not hearing the rest of the story. This is a misrepresentation. This isn't fair. The uh, Not only is the conviction being challenged, but really our entire justice system is is on trial here. It's, it's being indicted, and I wasn't going to sit back and, and stand for that. So uh, I have uh, dug out all my old files and all my old uh, notes and the things that, uh, that I kept that uh, was able to prove to two different juries uh, that uh, both Mr. Avery and Mr. Dassey were uh, responsible for this murder, and much of that together with other archived information is going to be uh, used to complete the complete the book and uh, as I've mentioned I'm, I'm pretty confident that after reading it uh, you and uh, everybody else is going to uh, decide that uh, a miscarriage of justice just did not occur here I'm looking very forward to reading it did you get a big advance surely uh, any publisher worth their salt would have thought I want Ken Kratz's book on my label and I'll pay him for it I wish I was allowed to talk about that <laughs> but, I, but I'm not my uh, my book, my book agent would be very angry with me, and you know, you might not want to go against me in court, but I know you don't want to go against him. So that's the. I know I don't want to go against I just, you. <laughs> I just have to. Uh, I just have to smile and say, uh, you know, it's uh, it, it's going to be it's going to be good. It's of course going to have all that uh, information that that people want. But like I said, for the uh, true crime buffs that really want to dig into a case, want the raw materials, want the forensic uh, reports and things like that. I'm going to do what I can to include all that on uh, on the internet. So all of that will uh, be accessed uh, from a code that you're going to be able to enter from, from the book. So it's really, a, really a, a tremendous uh, multimedia project that we're hoping to, uh, to release by sometime around June. I mean, it's so exciting and salacious. It's hard sometimes to remember that the, the, you are all real pe- people, that we're that we're fascinated by, that Stephen Avery is in prison right now. His nephew, Brendan Dassey, is still in prison. And you have, in fact, received death threats over over this case. Is that true? I have. Uh, it isn't uh, even so much the death threats that um, that bother me. We've gotten over 4,000 uh, email messages, most of which uh, have been um, either uh, uh, critical, insulting, or uh, some of which, of course, have been uh, have been threatening. But they don't just threaten me; they threaten other members of my staff or or, or my family. You know, when I get uh, when I get messages uh, uh, having uh, people uh, suggesting that they want to rape my daughter and have me uh, have to watch it uh, and and uh, 
really horrific kinds of things that they want to to have happen. You have to wonder, are there any limits to to this cyberbullying that goes on? When people want to express themselves, that's that's fine. If you don't like what I did, that's okay. If you want to make suggestions, uh, that's okay too. But from a case that's over 10 years old, the prosecutor in the case to uh, try to either put him out of business or to try to uh, cause him harm or even to suggest bad things happen to his family goes well beyond the pale. And I really hope that uh, in the future, at least some time, that people do understand there are very real people on the other end of, of these things. And the Hallbox family, you know, the victim's family, They've received uh, perhaps not threats, but they've had to contend with the suggestion that the real killer is still out there, or or that uh, uh, Teresa's brother Mike Halbach is the real killer, and yeah. and all of these kind of things. And that's you know it's it's really hurtful. And I I'm hoping that uh, as as much as people think that this is um, a game, or at least it's something that they're you know kind of allowed to do without limits, I, I wish they would reflect on it and understand that again there's uh, some very real emotions and very real uh, consequences that uh, that come to the people that you're suggesting have uh, have committed these offenses. So I'm glad that uh, that we got to talk about that because it's a real a tragic part of this. You know, this case has so much to uh, talk about from a way of uh, of the criminal justice system or, or some of the deficits or ways that we can improve it. And I really think that uh, it, it's a tremendous example of uh, of media uh, giving us the chance to do that, but it's really, I think, been wasted when uh, it's gotten to be so personal and and, and really in a, a tragic way, some some somehow that we've lost the uh, the focus of this and gotten into you know mud mudslinging and those kind of things. So it's 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 both good uh, both good and bad. I think eventually things will settle down. And people will uh, look at this case uh, like any other uh, interesting murder case uh, uh, throughout history. But when you're, I guess, right in the middle of it and wrapped up around it, it, uh, it may seem a, a little more acute than, uh, than it would need to be. Teresa Holbach's brother and also her ex-boyfriend are sort of the lightning rods for suspicion around other people and her family and stuff like that. Uh, and again, I can relate to it from an Australian's perspective because there's a very famous case in Australia where a woman, Lindy Chamberlain, was actually imprisoned for murdering her baby who had been taken by a wild dog, by a dingo. But mm-hmm. the community turned on her because they felt as though in the first sort of media moments that she wasn't reacting the way they thought she should react. People used to say she didn't cry. I knew it when she wasn't crying. Something was weird. Something was going on. And so, yeah, that went all the way to her ending up in prison for murdering her baby, and she was eventually exonerated. Right. Every... Everybody in the world knows uh, about that case and the right. tragedy that, uh, that 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 was, and I think it really shows um, when you get a Netflix account um, and you're able to watch a movie that that really doesn't mean that a law degree comes with it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay? So, so what you get to do is enjoy it, uh, and you get to watch it, but uh, don't don't make the mistake that this is what was shown to the jury. Don't make a mistake that this is everything that happened in the case, and it might be. A a good time to reserve judgments uh, on that until, uh, well, first of all, uh, until you realize it's not your decision, it's the decision of the jury well, that, also that, there, people, that got to hear all of the evidence. And right? the people in this incredibly stressful situation, like the brother of a missing woman and the ex-boyfriend, still very friendly, of a missing woman, you know, it's this assumption that we know how they should behave in that situation. And certainly when I saw Teresa's brother and um, – 
and her friend reacting. I, I was a bit taken aback by their reactions. and But then I think, well, I don't know how I would feel or how I would cope in those days when she's missing. And then I find and out you, she's murdered. And you, and you also don't know how it was edited and how yes. you got to, you know, it's, it's presented... Um, exactly what they wanted you to see. And you've got to understand that because this is not a representation of what the family was acting like. You didn't have to see uh, Mike or, or, or his brother, Tim, or, or Karen, the mom, or, or yeah. Tom, the dad, in those meetings that I had to have with them. And I had to tell them uh, what happened to their little girl. And I had to explain to them what the evidence uh, is showing and sit through those meetings. You know, those meetings will remain Mind you, this is not a joke. This is not playtime. These are the times that um, that you have these people that are are absolutely without hope and and, and that are crushed. And to uh, to somehow think that you can look at somebody's face because they smiled when you think that they uh, should have been frowning, or because they uh, you know maybe have uh, have giggled in a nervous way when uh, when perhaps uh, it was uh, somewhat um, uh, not a responsible thing at the time to do. You don't know how they're dealing with, with stress or testimony or, or all of those things. People do uh, react very, very differently. And I really, I really hope that people wouldn't base their decision on, on how people look. You know, we're told, jurors are told, um, you don't look at somebody and decide if they're, they're guilty or not guilty. You hear all the time, well, you know, he looks like a rapist or he looks like a, a child molester or, or something like that, which is uh, totally unfair to the other side. We wouldn't get away with that. We wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be able to go in front of a jury and say, well, just look at him. Yeah. He, he, he looks, he, he, he looks uh, guilty. So why the other side thinks that it's appropriate with no evidence at all, with nothing but speculation or nothing but a, a documentary to point to uh, to to make those suggestions, you know, it's a very serious or should be a very serious thing to claim that somebody committed murder, especially against a family member. And I think it's irresponsible to just do that because he happened to be shown in the movie. The other side has a lot of celebrity clout behind it, too. The other side from yours, I mean, um, Ellen DeGeneres, Alec Baldwin, uh, lots of celebrities have come forward in support of Stephen Avery. Do you have any celebrities coming forward to give you their support? Look, uh, they've got me, Michelle, and so that's uh, that's 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 all they need. You know what I've what I've uh, you know. In, in, in all fairness, what I've always said is uh, you can have all the celebrities. You give me the facts yeah. and you let me present the facts and the evidence to a jury. Those are the people I have to convince. I don't have to convince a, a movie audience about what happened. I've already convinced the 12 people that I have to convince and I can live with that. Jodie Stokowski, very controversial figure most recently. She was Stephen Avery's girlfriend uh, at the time of the murder. In the documentary series, completely supportive of him, recently has come out and said, uh, actually, I was terrified of him. He he physically abused me and he told me what to say and I was too afraid of him not to say it. Were you in contact with her at any point during the trial or were you aware? We of- were, yes. Right. Both before, right, before the trial and, and during, we were aware uh, of Jody's fear of, of Stephen Avery. And so uh, the suggestion that just now she's coming forward with this is not true at all. We had that information um, back then. In fact, um, there are all of these uh, phone calls between Stephen and Jody where Stephen is extremely explosive, where he is uh, threatening uh, to uh, to Jody and really a, a not a very nice 
guy, certainly the, the documentary is not going to show you that because they want to paint them as a, a pussycat, a mild-mannered uh, guy, uh, rather than uh, being sadistic and beating up his wives and his girlfriends and every other woman, basically, that he's ever uh, come well, in contact with. Well, it's interesting, with. isn't it? So because it uh, in the documentary, a, a surprise at all. In the documentary, they definitely do show the letters that he sent to his first wife from his first stint in prison mm-hmm. that were threatening and violent, and they also made mention of uh, him setting a cat alight. And in both of those cases, uh, it was sort of glossed over. The cat incident was described right. as a silly mistake that a young man makes. And right. the the uh, tormenting and uh, threatening of the wife was described as a sort of broken-hearted dad in jail who's having right. his children kept from him. Sure. Let me talk about uh, both of those things. You know, the, the description, um, first of all, the movie makers allowed either Stephen or his lawyers to talk about his prior record. When you notice who is on camera um, uh, talking about them, it isn't any police officer. It's not a victim. It's not, uh, it's not some uh, prosecutor. Uh, it's uh, either Stephen or, or, the, uh, or the lawyers. And so uh, when Stephen soaked his cat in gasoline and oil and, and put it on a fire, um, you know, that's, that's bad enough. But when you realize, Michelle, that the cat jumped off the fire, and was running around the yard on fire. And what Stephen did then is he picked up the cat and put it back on the fire so he could watch it suffer some more. This is the Stephen Avery that we're talking about. This is the Stephen Avery different than he claims, well, I was hanging around with the wrong crowd or or with the people, you know. This isn't hanging around with wrong crowds. This is sadistic. This is the precursor. Uh, to individuals uh, murdering uh, humans. Uh, you, you read about it all the time, the abuse of animals, uh, how that is uh, very diagnostic of, of, uh, of these uh, serial killers and other kind of, of killers. So there isn't anything surprising about that. And to suggest uh, for his, uh, his wife uh, all of these specific threats of, of, uh, of what he's going to do to her, you know, she was scared to death. The attorneys say it's all about Stephen's kids and, and, you know, Stephen wanted to see his kids and well, what they don't tell you is that the judge ordered a restraining order. You're going to stay away from these kids because of the kind of person you are, because of how dangerous and violent you are. So Stephen Avery, you're, you don't, you're not entitled uh, to be around these people because of your violent nature and the threats that you've made to kill and, 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 and hurt people and, and not to, you know, not to give the attention that that deserves because certainly domestic uh, violence and everything else needs that uh, that kind of uh, attention and for uh, especially and and I don't uh, I don't mean to be sexist but for his female yeah. prior lawyer to say well uh, you know it wasn't that big a deal or or remember when uh, he ran that uh, that woman off saying well because uh, it's only because she was a, a, a relative and and they minimized what uh, what she did to provoke him, you know, are, are you kidding me, Michelle? Yeah. I mean, nobody would be able to get away with, uh, with that kind of victim blaming after the fact, but because they put it into a movie, uh, somehow it's, uh, it's accepted. It's uh, irresponsible. It is absolutely, uh, inappropriate to talk about, um, uh, victims of domestic violence in, in that way. And I think it was deplorable. Yeah. Certainly Stephen's son, Stephen Avery Jr. has spoken in the last uh, day or two about his, Sad belief that his dad did murder Teresa. Uh, what's her last name? Hallibach. Uh How do I say Teresa's last name? 
Holbach. Holbach, that's right. Yeah, so he's uh, come forward and said that he sadly does believe that his dad is guilty of the murder of Teresa Holbach. So um, this is the child... What a sad sad thing for a kid to have to say. And, and, you know, I I, I don't mean to to be an apologist uh, 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 at all for uh, for the Avery family, but, um, you know, how horrible for for the media to be uh, really hounding these people. You know, what you don't see at the the trial... the very first thing I said to the media after the trial was over is that there's two families here that have really suffered a loss. It isn't just the Hallbox, but it's the Avery family as well. And of course, they didn't want to give me any kind of humanity. But I asked, I asked them to please remember that, and, and please, which the which the uh, the the, the Hallbox were, were certainly aware of. You know, one of the stories that will be in the book after the after the verdict uh, was read when I met with the Hallbox and about 50 supporters. Uh, we prayed. We went into a, a conference room. We prayed. But we prayed for the Averys. We prayed for the the pain uh, and all of the uh, disappointments and all of the things that they were going through as well. And I I hope that it's those kind of stories that people understand just how good uh, this family was and and just how much we tried to uh, not only do the right thing, but to put things in in perspective and to realize that two families were very, very hurt um, by this really tragic event. Well, one, well, a couple of members members of the Avery family were, you know, um, were treated very. Oh, that's the word I'm looking for. Sorry, I'm tired. I've been up for a long time. <laughs> um, a couple of the members of the Avery family came into sharp focus in the documentary series um, in a very sympathetic way. One, of course, is Stephen's mum, but also his sister, who is the mother of Stephen's co-accused, Brendan Dassey. Now, this woman we see grapple with the idea that her son could have been involved, that her brother could have involved her son. Then... She's then her son turns to her and says, "No, actually, I I didn't see anything. I wasn't involved. I just said that." And and for much of the process, it seems like she's just trying to get out of her own son. Was is he guilty or not? Is he involved in this or not? And this kid sure. has a low IQ, and and we we're really baffled as to what his involvement really is. But certainly, he's been in jail for sixteen years. What do you think about it? Well, you shouldn't be baffled at all because when you watch the entire three and a half hours of his confession, um, you will realize that the things that he says and the way he says them could only be said by somebody who was involved uh, in the rape, in the murder, and in the dismemberment of, the, of this girl. And so we're back to the editing and choosing what it is that uh, that you're going to watch. You know, the filmmakers don't show you all of the times when the officers intentionally suggest that things that they know didn't happen. And they do that as kind of a control. And what Brendan then does is he rejects that. He says, look, that didn't happen. It didn't happen that way. So when it doesn't happen, Brendan's able to stand up to them and he's able to say that's not the way it happened. But uh, when, when the officers are asking for the truth and when Brendan does finally have to admit some really, uh, some really personal and some really unattractive behaviors, um, you know, he's reluctant to do that, but he should be reluctant to do that. These are serious allegations. These are serious behaviors uh, from this young man. He told his mom on several occasions that uh, he was involved. He might have uh, said, I only did some of it or, or things like that. But you know what? Um, if you're there and if you're helping uh, and, and you did some of those things later, 
you can't say, well, by the way, I made the whole thing up. You know what I mean? There's no reason with your mother, especially to feel intimidated or, or to feel that, uh, that you're being coerced in, into saying things. And so when you kind of put um, common sense uh, back uh, involved in, uh, in the equation, uh, it's pretty obvious that this young man uh, was involved. The real tragedy, though, Michelle, about uh, about Brendan is not so much what he was involved in, uh, but the fact that it was his own family that had talked him out of taking the plea deal, the, the, the plea bargain. Uh, he could have been out in in 15 years. In fact, seven years from now, he could have been released. But it was his family, not his lawyers, his family that told him, uh, "Don't take the plea deal, Brendan, because it's going to hurt Stephen's case." Just think of that. Think of how yeah. how you're being sacrificed for somebody else's case. You know, it's uh, it's no wonder that now he's sitting in prison thinking, well, tell me again uh, how that benefited me. Tell me again why I shouldn't have uh, gotten a life and been able to, uh, uh, to, to, to get out in a relatively short period of time because it was going to help my uncle's case. That's such a real tragedy and disservice to do for a young man, especially one that's relying on, on those family members for for good sound advice and you'd hope that those family members would be thinking of his interests and not not either their own interests or the interests of of uh, of the uncle who's uh, sitting in in prison my book will uh, go into much of that much detail about the efforts made by the family members to talk him out of uh, that plea bargain and and how it was that uh, it was the family members i think uh which caused this real tragedy, and that's this man, uh, really this young man, uh, having to spend the rest of his life in prison. Ken Kratz there discussing the case of Stephen Avery. I I don't know about you, but I found him um, much more pleasant than I expected to from watching the series. I was totally sucked into his villainhood in the series, but um, I enjoyed our conversation, and I, I plan to catch up with him again when his book is released. And I'm looking very forward to reading the book. Don't forget to hit me up on Facebook if you'd like to suggest other guests, perhaps, or tell me your thoughts about the Avery case, about the Kratz conversation, or anything else. I'm Michelle Laurie. Thanks so much for downloading. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.